0: Fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and live. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Jason. That was beautiful, just beautiful. Thank you so much. Turn with me in your Bibles to. John chapter 20 Karen and I are glad to be back we missed everyone excuse me excuse me thank you for your prayers and cards and we're glad to be back with you I'm picking up right where I left off study in the book of John verse by verse through the book we're in chapter 20 We looked at verse 1 and just some general things about resurrection three weeks ago. Now we're going to try to cover those next 18 uh, verses. So uh, this, of course, is chapter 19 on the cross, chapter 20 on the resurrection. So this is a glorious chapter of Scripture. Let's read just a couple of verses and then we'll come back and go through them. Verse 1 says, The first day of the week came Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher. And seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, that's John, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for Pastor Jason again. We pray your blessings upon he and his family as they go out on this great adventure. Meet their needs in every way. Speak to us now through your word. Thank you for the truth of that song. When we fail, we can fall on you. And when we're redeemed we can sing to you and if we're not redeemed we can come to you for forgiveness and be redeemed thank you that you are that to us through all of life we thank you in Jesus name amen amen in 2014 Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett made an album together Entitled Cheek to Cheek I think they thought That maybe they could reach The young generation And the older generation as well Tony Bennett was 88 years old And Gaga Lady Gaga was 28 years old The first song on their album Was the song Quote Anything Goes Written by Cole Porter Now Cole Porter was a Uh, a uh, writer of many, many songs and Tony Bennett loved his songs and sang many of his songs. So they sang this together. The song really, though it's got a peppy beat and so forth and fun to listen to, if you really look at the words, the words are about really the moral decay of America. The title, Anything Goes that was the idea anything goes it talked about the the Puritans would be shocked to see what's going on today it talked about writers using four letter words curse words it talked about nudity being a common thing a good thing and so forth and so this was their first song you would think that song may have been written recently but that song was written in 1934 some of our seniors in here will probably remember that song by Cole Porter and you'll probably certainly remember Cole Porter he was popular particularly in the 20s and the 30s ironically Cole Porter lived just the way uh, that song talked about anything goes he was truly a <clears throat> he was truly a musical genius he played the violin at age 6 he learned the piano by la- age 8 and with the help of his mother he published his first song at age 10 he attended yale university and while he was at yale he wrote 300 songs and when he was 22 he wrote his first Broadway musical songs he was very talented and gifted during those years at Yale he began to live the party life the glitz and glamour of New York City and the nightlife and so forth a sinful life, an immoral life, a drinking life, a drugging life, and so on and so forth. His mother had went to church, actually a Baptist church, but he said of her, she only went to show off her hats. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know a lot of young people who want to go their own way like to say their parents religion, quote, religion, was hypocritical and so forth. That kind of justifies them going out and, and living a life of, quote, anything goes. That's what he said. And so he fell deeper and deeper into sin. He wrote some songs that Tenny, uh, Tony Bennett sang and Frank Sinatra and some of the other crooners of that day. One, I've got you under my skin, night and day, just one of those things, don't fence me in, and so on and so forth, many, many, many songs. A lot of love songs, and couples would dance to the love songs and so forth. What his fans didn't know was that... He had not written those love songs for his girlfriends. He had written them for his boyfriends. He was married, but his wife knew when she married him that he was a homosexual. And they just put up a front. So his marriage was a sham. But they both come from rich families and socialite circumstances. And so they got together and traveled the world and had... uh, Elaborate parties and so forth. His fans also didn't know that he used all of his earnings for endless series of anything goes parties. Someone said of him he had an enormous appetite for pleasure, gastronomical and sexual. He had deep pockets, worldwide acclaim he had four homes that were kept ready with uh, with employees living at each home taking care of those homes so that when he wanted to come there it would be absolutely ready for him one was in New York City in the uh, Waldorf Towers Uh, one was in Paris one was in Massachusetts, a big estate there, and a home in California. Later in life, he had an accident. Eventually, they had to amputate one of his legs. He lived six years after that. He never wrote another song or another word. He was, as one writer puts it, he lived his years depressed, diseased. Drinking and drugging. He was in and out of the hospital. When he went in the hospital, the last time the nurse taking notes asked him what was his religion, he said none, and she said, well, we can just put Protestant or Catholic, and he said none, and he insisted, became indignant about it, none. His, uh, one of his employees who had brought him there knew that his mother had been a Baptist, and... They suggested, why don't you just put Protestant? But he insisted, none. He wanted nothing to do with Christianity at all. One of his employees says, it was a terrible end. He was, and I'm quoting, he was terribly alone at the end. He really didn't have anything or anyone that was close to him. Isn't that a sad story? He lived in darkness. He died in darkness. Alone. And now he is in darkness forever and ever. That's what really these two chapters, 19 and 20, Is saying to us nobody has to live alone or die alone nobody has to live in darkness or die in darkness Jesus died and rose again so that we can have forgiveness and the light of this world so that we can say as the psalmist said in Psalm 23 4 Though, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear nothing bad, for thou art with me. That's the strength, that's the comfort, the presence of the risen Christ in our lives through the hard times, the bad times, the good times. And even as the song said, when we fly to heaven. Instead of being alone, as the song said, we fly to heaven with... and. Uh, with joy and we laugh on glory side we have peace this chapter is the center these two chapters the center of the Word of God the pinnacle of the gospel message there is no gospel message without the substitutionary death and the bodily resurrection of Christ It's not that we try to live like Jesus taught us and our good will outweigh our bad. But the real pinnacle is this death and resurrection. It's the difference between life and death, light and darkness, forgiveness and judgment, heaven and hell. This great chapter. Now, let's let's go back to our passage and uh, remind you of something from last three weeks ago. That is Sunday became the day of worship because it's the day of the resurrection. So every Sunday is a day of celebration. We come to celebrate the risen Christ. Sing to him. Rejoice in him. And she came to the sepulcher there it says. Now before we look at The narrative here that we're just going to kind of go through rather quickly Reminds you of some things that happened Just before The uh, Verse 1 here Pastor Jason led us in a worship Song This past Wednesday night that you and I have sang many times over the years There's a There's a verse in there that says Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, The grave has no claim on me. So let's think about this. Jesus has been in the tomb three days. Part of the day on Friday, all day Saturday, part of the day on Sunday. Three days and his body is being laying there motionless, dead, really dead, truly dead. But there came a time on that morning, in a second of time, that body began to breathe again, and his eyes opened, and I assume he set up where he was laying, and he set up right through the grave clothes that had been wrapped around him. And apparently he took the napkin that had been over his face, the the scarf, and he folded it and laid it down. And the rest of the, the linen was just laying there as his body came through it. And then an angel came down an angel came down who looked like lightning and his his raiment was white as snow and he rolled that stone back Now he didn't really roll the stone back for Jesus to get out he rolled the stone back so other people could look in look in and see the empty tomb and when he did that the soldiers that were put there these big brave Roman soldiers that were afraid of nothing they were so afraid, the Bible says, they begin to shake all over. And, and eventually, they fainted. They looked like dead men laying there, the Bible says. Sometime after that, they wake up, realize the body's gone, and so they go to tell the people who had, were in charge. Then, Mary comes along. And I spent a little time on this three weeks ago, so I'm not going to mention it again except in passing that she probably came with the other ladies maybe she was a little ahead of them when she got to the sepulcher and again three weeks ago I put out a sheet like this from uh, from the Dallas Theological Seminary that uh, talks about the events of that morning so uh, I ran another hundred of those off if you didn't get one three weeks ago please pick up one of those so Mary comes and that brings us to our narrative now. Look at verse 1. It was the first day. Mary was there. It was early. It was yet dark. She came to the sepulcher and seeeth that the stone was taken away. She runs to Simon Peter and the other apostle, that's John, and saith unto them, They they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we... Notice the plural pronoun here instead of singular. She didn't say, and I don't know where they put his body. She said, we don't know. So she's referring to her and the other ladies. If she was going ahead, the other ladies caught up with her while she was still dumbfounded there at the, at the sepulcher. And then leaving them there, she runs away to speak to the apostles. And we don't know where they've laid him. Look at verse 3. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, that's John, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooped down, and looked in, and stooping down, he, and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying. Yet went he not in. So he's looking into the opening, the door of the sepulcher. And he sees the clothes laying there. Now, notice that word, saw. There's three words for see. Three, and there are three different Greek words used in the next few verses. And they tell us a little bit, give us a little insight. This word means just to see with the eyes, like anybody can do. I can see you, you can see me, we can see the pews, and so forth. They saw the linen laying there. Verse 6, Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen cloth lying there. Here's the second word, seeth. This is a different Greek word. This is a word that means to carefully consider, look at something and think about it. And, um, and then we go to verse 7. He sees the linen and the napkin or the piece of cloth that was about his head not lined with the linen cloths but wrapped together in a place by itself. Can you imagine that? There's the clothes laying there, the wrappings. But they could tell if you, if you just looked, you wouldn't notice it. But if you looked carefully and thought about it and studied it, which is what the second word means, you'd realize those clothes were not where somebody unwrapped Jesus. The clothes were laying there still wrapped. He had come right through them. So no one had stolen the body, you would think. They wouldn't have done that. It'd been easier to have carried the body wrapped anyway. Verse 8. Then went in also the other disciple, that's John. Now John and Peter are both inside the sepulcher, which came first. That is, he's the one that ran there and got there first. And he saw and believed. Now this third word, saw, means to perceive, to understand. It's like when when you've been trying to figure something out and you couldn't figure it out and finally you say, oh yeah, I see that now. It's that kind of see. A blind person can see like that because they can understand something. So this is a different kind of seeing. So you have three words for see. You have to see with the eyes, then to see carefully and and to study, and then to perceive to understand. For instance, suppose when I walked in this morning, there was a dog out in the parking lot. Now, there, there wasn't. I didn't see one, but suppose I did. And I saw that dog. I came in and I said to somebody, there's a dog out in the parking lot. And they might say, what color was it? I said, I don't know. Uh, how big was it? Well, it wasn't too big. I don't know. What kind of dog was it? I don't know. I saw that dog with my eyes. But what if I had seen that dog and then I stopped and looked at him? And I realized he was black all over had a white face and some white feet and so forth and I studied him you know and thought about him and when I came in somebody said uh, you know I said I saw a dog what did he look like I could tell you exactly what he looked like because I studied him studied him now suppose while I was studying him a light bulb went off in my head and that light bulb was that Jason is moving to Charlotte And he left one of his dogs here at the church. So now I figured out why that dog is here, who that dog came from, and everything. Now I'm, you know, I've got it. That's the difference in those three words. Now, when you and I go to the scripture, everyone here can see with their eyes. Some of you may have difficulty seeing. The print's big enough, your glasses are strong enough, you can see. And you can read the words, but that's just that first word. You can see it with your eyes. If you don't move on to that second word, to consider, to study, to think about, to meditate. If you don't move to that second word, you'll never get to that third word. The third word is where you say, oh yeah, I understand what God is saying to me. Those are important words. When you go to the scripture ask him to help you see and to see and to see and so john saw and notice what he did when he saw he believed verse 9 says for as yet they knew not the scripture that must that he must rise again from the dead Old Testament prophecy prophesied his resurrection, but also Jesus had spoken to them on quite a few occasions. But it just, they hadn't seen it yet. They saw it, but they didn't see it. And so they didn't know. Verse 11 then tells us the rest of the story that John's telling us. And that is uh, uh, that Mary Magdalene is the is the first to see Jesus and it goes like this look at verse 11 but Mary stood without now remember the guys uh, verse 10 then the disciples went away again unto their own home that was Peter and John now Mary's there at the sepulcher by herself now the women that was with her they have they have seen the angel and they've left and uh, and then she notices weeping And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus was laid. Now, there's no indication that she knew these were angels. John's writing, you know, 60 years later. He knows they were angels. All of this was happening to Mary. I mean, Mary didn't know the resurrection was going to take place. She thought somebody stole the body. And so uh, she sees these two people sitting there, and they're dressed in white. Now apparently they were not, didn't have the appearance of lightning (laughs) like that one angel did that rolled the stone back. He looked like lightning because he wanted to startle and scare away those guards. But many times in the Old Testament, angels just looked like people. They took on a body like like a human. And so they were sitting there, and she probably didn't know they were angels. Uh, Verse 13, And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and she saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Now there's three views on why she didn't know it was Jesus one view is that Jesus supernaturally disguised himself one view is that that uh, she was partially blinded from knowing who he was maybe mentally maybe it didn't have anything to do with her eyes but she couldn't perceive who it was she had a partial blindness I don't think either one of those are necessary It was early, it was dawn, maybe there was still some darkness in the air, and she was weeping, she was crying, and she was knelt down. She turns and sees this person walking that she assumes is the gardener. And he's walking up, all she sees maybe is his feet through her tears in the early dawn. And she didn't recognize him. Now, the video we're going to watch does not depict it that way. That's the way I depict, depict it. That's the way I see it in my mind. In the, uh, in the video we see, Jesus has kind of got his back turned working, like he's working as a gardener. That's certainly not necessary, but it's the way they, the movie makers viewed it. And then verse 15 and Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him away hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. He called her by name. She turned herself. That is, she must have been facing the other direction. She. Uh, she turned herself and said unto him, "Ribona," which means master, teacher, rabbi. She knew when he called her name. He calls his sheep by name, doesn't he? He knows us by name. He calls us by name and leads us and guides us. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not. For I am am not yet ascended to my Father, but go uh, to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Wow, what glorious words. Now he said, touch me not. Why did he say that? I haven't ascended yet, he said. I'm going to come back to that next week and we're going to look at that because that's a kind of complicated uh, answer to that but it is very interesting so he said touch me not or don't hold on to me instead go and tell the brethren that uh, uh, that I he'd go and tell my brethren and say unto them and then he gives her what to say now notice here he calls his disciples my brethren do you know this is the first time They were called servants, and all of us are followers of Christ. We're servants. But in chapter 15, he calls his followers friends. So we're servants, and we're friends. But here he calls us brethren. Brothers and sisters in the family of God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I have full standing in Christ, redeemed by his blood as a member of God's family. And Jesus is our brother. he's He's our elder brother. And he calls us as such. What a beautiful picture that is. The cross and the resurrection brings about relationship of intimacy. And then he says, tell them I sinned unto my Father and your Father. Why didn't he say our Father? Jesus never used the term our Father, except when he taught the disciples to pray. And when he taught them to pray, he said to them, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven. So that's the way we pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. But Jesus never called the Father, Our Father. The word Jesus used to describe His relationship with the Father was a different word that was used from other people's relationship. That's the reason the Jews knew He was claiming deity. He used a word that meant He was in a relationship that was unique and and personal. And uh, like no one else. So when he used that word, the Jews took up stones to kill him. Because he made himself equal with God. So he says, I go to my father and your father. We have a relationship with the father because of Jesus Christ. But it's not exactly the same as Jesus Christ. Because he is the only begotten son of God. You and I are the many that have been brought into the kingdom, brought into the family through his blood. So tell him I'm going to your father, uh, to my father and to your father, and to my God and to your God. Again, he never said our God because his relationship to God the Father was different and unique. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had... Seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Mary Magdalene, had, Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. She was at the cross. She was close to the Lord and to uh, his followers. Think about this. She was a woman. Now, in that day, women didn't have a very prestigious place in society, even among Jews women couldn't even bear a witness in court, an official witness in court. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And yet Jesus chose a woman to be the, the first to see him. Think about this. In his resurrection, she was the first to see him. She was the first to hear him. She was the first to touch him and she was the first to carry the message that he had risen from the dead Wow what an honor this Mary Magdalene and so she went and told the disciples Jesus is alive Do you believe that I believe that Cole Porter and his associates and friends and party goers they would laugh at what you and I believe They would scoff at what you and I believe. But it's this faith in the risen Savior that keeps me and you from dying alone and in darkness. One of his employees, his secretary, said this, She cried over him and said, He never found the strength that comes from faith in God. She said, Without faith, one is like a stained glass window in the dark. That's interesting, isn't it? Stained glass has all the pretty colors and everything, but if there's no light on it, you can't see it. If it's in the dark, you don't see it. Then she said, how to reach his particular darkness is an enigma. Porter lived in darkness. He died in darkness. He's in darkness even now. That's not necessary. Jesus died so you and I could be forgiven and redeemed and have a home in heaven. If you haven't trusted Christ please do so before it's too late now let's watch the little clip it may have happened something like this let's watch it together
1: early on Sunday morning while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the entrance She went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. They have taken the Lord from the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. Then Peter and the other disciple went to the tomb. The two of them were running, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and reached the tomb first he bent over and saw the linen cloths but he did not go in behind him came Simon Peter and he went straight into the tomb he saw the linen cloths lying there and the cloth which had been around Jesus head it was not lying with the linen cloths but was rolled up by itself then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in he saw and believed they still did not understand the scripture which said that he must rise from death then the disciples went back home Mary stood crying outside the tomb while she was still crying she bent over and looked in the tomb saw two angels there, dressed in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head, the other at the feet. Woman, why are you crying? they asked her. They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put them. <laughs> then she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but she did not know that it was Jesus woman why are you crying who is it that you were looking for she thought he was the gardener so she said to him if you took him away sir tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him Mary she turned toward him and said in Hebrew Rabboni. this means teacher do not hold on to me because I have not yet gone back up to the Father but go to my brothers and tell them I am returning to him who is my father and their father my God and their God so Mary Magdalene went and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and related to them what he had told her
0: What a beautiful, beautiful scene. The resurrection morning. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your eternal word. Lord Jesus, thank you for that morning when you began to breathe and you stood and you showed yourself to these ladies, Mary first. And then you showed yourself for 40 days with infallible proof that you had risen from the dead. We celebrate you this morning. We celebrate your resurrection and who you are as the risen Lord. Speak to us now. If there's someone here who's never trusted you as Savior, we pray they would do so before it's too late. They would call on you as Lord and Savior. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, please. We're going to sing a verse of a hymn. If you need to come for prayer, slip out of your seat and come as we sing together.